have a word of prayer and we can get in into the scriptures here. Father in heaven, if we just pause one more time asking that your presence would continue to be with us. Um, quiet our minds so that we're not as distracted by all the endless amounts of things we could be distracted by, whether they're good or bad. And help us as much as possible to think of you and uh, how you can continue to make our lives better. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. <coughs> if you'll join me in your scriptures, in your Bible or your smartphone, we're in Genesis chapter 50 is where we'll be getting. Genesis 50, <coughs> starting in verse 20. Genesis 50, verse 20. Continuing our series on abuse. And today we'll be looking at kind of a unique twist, a unique version of abuse. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Moses wrote years ago, quoting Joseph, as Joseph is in Egypt speaking to his brothers. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Terrible things can happen at home, at school, at work, at play, in the field, in your own family, or in the streets. This world has always been a bit dangerous. Uh, different people at different moments experience that. But there are places in the scriptures, and this is one of them, where God is reminding us, as bad as life can be sometimes, God is able to somehow bring some good out of a bad situation. Joseph had some terrible, terrible things to happen to him. <clears throat> but as at near the end of the story, he's reminding his own brothers that, yes, what you did was a terrible, terrible domino effect that opened up this very bad door of abuse for him. And his brothers meant it for evil. But somehow in God's wisdom, and in God's uniqueness, and God's creativity, though God despises abuse and, and bad things, God is able to take those very bad things and somehow bring good out of it. It's hard to explain, but God is capable of it. He's been doing it throughout the history of this earth <laughs> for years. The challenge for human beings is when we get into that difficult situation, sometimes it can be so painful, it can be so hard, <laughs> it can be so hurtful that it's, it's challenging for human beings to trust God to let Him actually bring something good out of it into our lives. About three years ago, I met this woman. Her name is Hyveth. <laughs> and uh, she was telling me a story and how since she was very young, she always had a back problem. And uh, about three years ago, she decided to go to the, the hospital and get the back problem fixed. And so she had a surgery on her back, a real intensive surgery. And uh, they fixed it, and she's a minister like I am. She's uh, pastoring in the South Bend, Indiana, it, it, at kind of the low-income part of town. <laughs> and she was starting this new church. And after her surgery, about three, three, yeah, something like three weeks after her surgery, she's back at church, she's preaching, 
and she finishes the sermon. It's Saturday, and she's, she, she's leaving the pulpit. She's leaving the stage, and she's walking out of the sanctuary. And there, just at the last moment, this little girl steps out her foot, and bam, down High Veth, and she's, I, I, I'm not great at age, 60s, I'm guessing, somewhere in her 60s. She just falls right in front of everybody at church. It uh, wasn't COVID, so everybody was there. It was full and face down right on the I mean, just had back surgery. And this little kid sticks out a foot, this little girl, and just down she goes. And the pastor face down right in the carpet or hardwood or whatever it was, and just bam. She <coughs> had been in the habit. Hiveth had been in the habit of, of letting Jesus be in her and through her. She'd been in the habit of, of putting God first, other second, and self last. So we know this as human beings, whether you're atheist, agnostic, Christian, Muslim, Catholic, whatever your background is, good habits or bad habits, when you have habits, habits have a way of just kind of leading you. And good ones and bad ones do that. <laughs> and so since she was in the habit of letting Jesus lead her, when she finally got up, and I think some members even helped her, and <laughs> when she finally got up, it was just her instinct to kind of, she got down to a little kid's level, and, and she said, oh, my word, it just happened so fast. I, I'm still not sure what, what's just transpired, but are you okay? Her instinct was to think a little girl, and the body language, words, uh, facial expression, tone of voice, everything was honest, sincere, to just say to a little girl, you know, I mean, when things sincerely happen really quick, you're not putting everything together, and she just was, you know, asking if the little girl's okay. She couldn't hardly get out the words, are you okay? And that family <laughs> picked up all their stuff, and they raced out of the church. And it was their first time in church. They were visitors. And so she didn't have their phone number. She didn't have their contract, their contact, you know, cell phone, etc., and so she, she not only was embarrassed, but she was hurting because she just had back surgery. So she spent the week praying for herself, but also praying for this family. And she thought, well, I'm sure they're not coming back. <laughs> this is not how you want to have your, you know, your opening introduction to a new church. Let, let me, you know, let me trip the pastor, the female pastor in her 60s. That, that's, a, that's a tough opening. But she, the, the pastor, she prayed and prayed all week, and to her surprise, next Saturday when it was church, the family was there. And she, she couldn't wait till after church to talk to them, because, she, I mean, she, it was a real distraction. She thinks, what's going on? So after church, she went up to the family, and, and she said, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm so sorry about what transpired last week. I'm still not really sure, you know, how everything went. And they said, oh, no, shh, shh, shh. She said, no, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> they said, you know, we've been to many churches, and this has happened in many other churches. They said, our, our, our daughter, she has some mental challenges. She has some mental disabilities <laughs> that make it, you know, uh, how do you want to word it? <laughs> it? It makes it more conducive for her to kind of act out in these episodes sometimes. And we're just so embarrassed and so ashamed. We're so sorry that that happened. <laughs> but we're a little sensitive because, you know, we don't want her to do it, but when we've been in other churches, none of the other churches are, are patient in waiting as Jesus is slowly growing her out of this behavior. The other churches haven't been patient to, at her growth rate. And 
So we just laughed because we were nervous. It was kind of a knee-jerk reaction. But um, the pastor and that family both said, well, let's, let's take a chance and trust Jesus and let's take a chance and trust each other. And they said, yeah, we want to be members here because we, we haven't found a church yet that's been willing to be patient with her growth rate. And they said, you know, isn't that, isn't that something? That's what Christian churches are supposed to be about. <coughs> because you don't have to be mentally disabled or mentally challenged. Human beings are slow and messy and stubborn and we're not great at growing. You know, at work or a nice date or for church, you know, we can kind of, you know, iron a little bit and, you know. But we're not perfect. And the family was happy because they actually found a, some leaders and a church and some people that, that wanted to follow God, but wanted to follow a God that actually was patient with people's growth where they're at. <laughs> not, not some book that they read in some shelf, but in real life when it's a little messy and things fall down and people get hurt. But people that were patient like that. And they wanted to be around a group that, that the group actually believed that God can take good things out of a bad situation. And they were so happy to be there. If you turn with me in your Bibles now to the book of James. <laughs> oh, no, not yet. Not yet. Let me read that, that uh, Genesis one more, more time. <laughs> Genesis 50, verse 20. Once again, this is Joseph with his brothers there. He says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. <laughs> same situation, same situation. One group of people, two totally different motives. Joseph didn't love being abused by his own brothers. Joseph didn't like being tricked by his brothers. He didn't like being um, thrown into the pit. He didn't like being sold as a slave. He didn't like being in a foreign country where he didn't know the language. He didn't like being away from his family. He didn't like... It, that feeling of knowing that his parents thought he was dead for many years. He didn't like being put in jail for making the right decision. He didn't like being accused of, of raping somebody. He didn't like any of that. But he loved God and he loved his family. And he was radical enough to think that the God that he worshipped is able to bring some good out of a bad, abusive situation that lasted many years. And he believed that God was up to the challenge. <laughs> He's not the only person. Now if you let's go back to James. James chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3, and, or rather, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, 3, and 4. <coughs> James 1, 2, 3, and 4. It's the half-brother of Jesus. He knows a little bit about abuse in, in both sides. Uh, for part of his life when they were growing up, he used to be abusive to his brother Jesus. Can you imagine that being Jesus' house? <laughs> and how crazy that would be. It's like, I'm a prophet. I'm the Messiah. And then, you know, what, the other kids would be like, oh, this is great. You've got a half-brother. He's a little bit off. He must have hit his head. And so growing up, James used to uh, pick on his brother because his brother thought he was God. 
And then after Jesus died and resurrected, then James had a conversion. He's, and then he started, instead of abusing others, then he himself started getting abused because then he started realizing, wait a minute, my brother is Jesus. He is the Messiah. <laughs> so, so James had both sides of it. He was an abuser for part of his life and being abused. James chapter 1, verse 2, 3, 4. He says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. And if we had more time to study the book of James, he continues in verse 5 and he gives a very human response. He says, well, I'm paraphrasing, but it, perchance if somebody has a challenge considering it all joy, in verse 5 he says, well, then make sure you're praying a lot to ask for wisdom. Because it's not very easy for human beings to go through a moment where you're getting abused and then find any kernel of joy in that moment. It's not typically common with human beings. We complain. We get disappointed. If we're Christians, we throw our hands up in the air and we say, why are you letting this happen, God? But in this world, crazy things have always happened. We can't always escape our current situation. But we can choose. Are we going to grow in faith or are we going to grow in fear? And so this is what James was encouraging <coughs> people in this time of history. He was encouraging them to continue to trust. Because throughout history, there's always been people that are demonstrating both camps. There's always been people that are demonstrating what it looks like when you grow in fear, and there's always been people that show what it looks like when you grow in faith. People of faith like Joseph and Isaiah and James and people like Martin Luther. Martin Luther, he was a unique person. Here's a quote of his. He says, I, I don't always know where God is leading, but I do know God. Martin Luther, he was a monk. His, his family was wealthy. I believe his dad was a, a lawyer. He d decided to be a monk. And back then, years ago, there was basically one large professed Christian denomination. And there was a couple others here and there, but they were really small and not very prominent, like the Waldensians, and most people didn't know about those groups. And he was a part of the big group. And uh, one day, he discovered that God liked him. He didn't need to do anything special. He didn't need to impress God or give him a bunch of money. God just liked him because God likes, well, God likes everybody. And when it finally dawned on Martin Luther, he said, man, wow, what, a, what an idea, what a concept. He was reading the book of Romans and that came to his mind, chapter 1, verse 16, 17, and and man, this is amazing. God just likes me. And he thought that was so amazing he couldn't help himself, so he did what's kind of natural, like when you're in love, you just kind of share with somebody at the grocery store, hey, I'm dating somebody. And they're like, I've never met you. <laughs> I'm glad you're dating. It's when you, just, when you really like something, you're happy and you share. And, and Martin Luther just found something amazing. That's the love of God. And so he couldn't help it, and he started sharing well, crazy things started happening. His own professed religious group started to abuse him because they didn't like what he discovered in the Bible. But he couldn't shake it. He's like, well, 
this is real. This is a Bible principle. I've got to keep sharing it. And the more he shared it, the more they wanted to abuse him. They ended up taking him to court. And it just really kind of went sideways. He had to go hide in Germany, and he didn't like that. He didn't like going to court. He was hiding in Germany because they were trying to kill him. He didn't like that. But Martin Luther, he was... <laughs> he. he he shook the world and what went from basically, for the most part, one professed Christian group, then the religious world split into two, and then we had something called Protestantism because he and his followers were protesting this wrong picture of God. And it just shook the world. And he was being abused for it. He was kind of hiding and on the run, so to speak, because of it. He didn't like where it was going. He didn't like not having the answers. As the slide says, he didn't know where God was leading. But one thing he did know, he knew God. And he knew God was really good at taking good things out of a bad situation. If your life is being threatened and, you're, and people are trying to kill you, <coughs> that's not a good situation. But he still felt <coughs> convicted that God was able to bring something good out of it so he kept following God well not to make it overly <clears throat> sugary or, or unrealistic because you know some people they'll suffer for a day some people suffer for a week some people a month some people a year some people it's 10 years and then finally you know God will bring something good out of something bad but we also know in life and it's similar to when Felipe gave the kid's story. God always is trying to bring about the best. But sometimes it's not in our timing, as his story shared. One time his daughter prayed for a deer, and there's a whole bunch of them. And that's cool. We love that. And, the next, and then that night, she's like, I, I like this. This is like you put in a quarter, pull the arm, and it's like jackpot. Every time I'm going to win, right? Everybody who goes to Vegas wins. That's why we go there, because it's just everybody wins. As long as you own the casino, you always win. So we kind of forget that part. They're in it to make the money. And we think, well, you know, if I just pray, and, and I just say that magic word, then oh, there the deer will appear. And sometimes it works that way. But then she prayed that very night, oh, God, Tomorrow I want to see a lion. Well, there was no lion tomorrow. Because <laughs> mommy and daddy prayed, well, let's not have a lion tomorrow. Well, then God's kind of in a pickle. Which one do I answer? And life's a lot more complex than that. And sometimes God will bring good out of bad in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year, in 10 years. And I hate it, and I hate it, and I hate it. But sometimes life's complex, and I don't get it all. <clears throat> If you do, write a book because the world's in, in more help. And there's already a wonderful book here. And we, you know, we, we're, we, we still need Jesus to keep helping us. Because some people, bringing good out of the bad, for some people, that, that good part won't happen till heaven. It'd be nice if we had good stuff here and heaven. But that, unfortunately, in the complexity of life, that doesn't happen for everybody. That doesn't happen for everybody. This, wor this world has been rough since sin came here. It's going to continue to be rough. In some ways, it's getting worse. The Bible doesn't paint a picture as the world comes to an end that 
man, it's going to be, I mean, this will be the golden years of America in Canada and Mexico and the Middle East. I mean, man, it's just 10 minutes before Jesus comes. I mean, this is just going to be the best time ever. It doesn't paint that picture. So I'm curious, are, are you growing your faith or are you growing in fear? Satan is aware of the tension. Satan knows the difference between growing in faith and growing in fear. He knows that there's a power in faith, but he also knows that there's actually a power in fear. And Satan knows with fear, it drives this wedge. It drives a wedge so that if we grow in fear, that kind of messes up our own mind. And if we grow in fear, it even messes up our relationships. And ultimately, if we continue to grow in fear, it messes up our relationship with God. It makes us scared. It causes us not to think right, make bad, deci bad decisions. And Satan is the chief of abuse. He's created more abuses than we could think of in a day. He doesn't care which one he, he abuses people with as long as it drives a wedge in our lives. I think we've got a slide here showing <coughs> some of them that are a little more popular than others, but these certainly aren't the, the only types of abuse. Self-abuse is how it started in heaven with Satan. He abused himself. And it kind of spread from there. You can have verbal abuse and physical abuse and spiritual and mental and sexual and emotional. There's even, as I said, this certainly is not anywhere near exhaustive, but there's even a type of abuse where it's called neglect. If you just simply leave somebody alone and no one ever has any interaction with them, that's a type of abuse. It's very unhealthy to have a newborn baby and just sit it in the crib and no human ever shows up horrible and there's ways of doing that and even being adults where you could be completely neglected Satan's aware of these things when people think of abuse as I've said many times in our series on abuse when, when the average person in America thinks of abuse they typically think of that image of a, of a female and they think of her being married and they think of her being bit I mean beaten and it usually starts with a push or a shove and then it just graduates into something worse and it's horrible, and it's, it's terrible. Uh, it's been bad. <laughs> it, during the COVID, it's on a 20, 25% rise. <laughs> so it's even getting worse. Women between the age of 15 and 45, a female gets abused every 15 seconds in this country that we say is so amazing and so Christian. And as terrible as that is, there's other terrible things too little kids get abused elderly people get abused and even yes males even men get abused regardless of who you are what your experience is human beings get abused and the haunting alarming thing is regardless of what type of abuse it is <clears throat> the majority of people never ever report the type of abuse <clears throat> at least two-thirds never ever report it. So the types of abuse and the people that are getting abused, it's much worse than we realize. In every type of abuse, 
no matter what type it is, leaves its own unique little scar. Whether it's cutting, whether it's self-abuse, verbal abuse, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever the abuse is, it leaves a little scar. And whatever little group you're in, whether you're somebody who's abusing other people or other, you got scars because other people are abusing you, or like the great majority of humanity, where it's just kind of some of both. There's been times where we were hurtful to others and others were hurtful to us. There's scars from all of that. God wants us to be people that continue to have courage and trust him that he can bring some good out of the evil. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 10 and 11. So the idea where I got this, this, uh, this sermon from was these two scriptures here. I thought of Thanksgiving and going through a series on abuse. And I thought, well, this is really odd, but it, it's, it's very biblical. Isaiah 53, verse 10 and 11. My translation says... God, the Father, the Lord was pleased. The Lord was pleased to crush Jesus. <coughs> Boy, if those aren't some strange words. God, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, to put him to grief if he would render himself as an offering. He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11, as a result of the abuse, as a result of the anguish, he will see it and he'll be satisfied by knowing him, by, his, by knowing him, by the knowledge of the righteous one, his servant. He will justify many as he, as he will bear their iniquities. Man, isn't that strange? God the Father was pleased. He was pleased. Thinking of like in the book of James, <coughs> Jesus is not confused. Jesus is not happy that people spit on him. Jesus is not happy that they kicked him or they beat him or they whipped him. He wasn't happy that he didn't eat all night. He wasn't happy that the very people he created are now thinking it's a great idea to kill him. He didn't think it was a good idea that he was a, a naked in public. All those things were horrible ideas. He didn't like dying on the cross. He didn't like being in the tomb for three days, being separated from his father for the first and last time in earth's history or the history of the universe. He didn't like any of those things. Those were horrible things. But what he did like is that he loved, he loved God. And he loved you. And he had this radical, rare idea. I mean, rare idea. That God thought, you know, let's have <coughs> the worst thing in earth's history. We'll call that God dying. And God said, no, no, no. Let's make that exact same thing the best thing that's ever happened in the history of the universe. No, it's the same event. I know. I know. It's the worst thing ever. No, no, no. It's the best thing ever. Your life will be never this good. And you get to live forever. Isn't that amazing? 
We just killed God. I know, but now your life will be better than ever. The first sin ever in a human was done on this earth. Where it was horrible. Romans chapter 5, and Jesus came along and said, no, 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 I can trump that. I can do better than that. I'm going to come along and do something amazing and righteous and, and, and just love all of you. Same event. At the cross, something so horrible will go through eternity and never quite really be able to explain the nastiness of it. But the same event, the same event that made God himself sweat blood will be the same event that will just blow our minds. We'll be alive for a million and two years. And we'll still just be sitting there thinking, oh, man, I know more than I used to when I was like 12, but I still don't get it all. It's like, man, how did he do that? It's the same thing. I mean, it's abuse. I mean, it's flat-out abuse. I don't get it. Maybe you do, but God's so generous. We're, we're on the right end of it somehow if we grow in faith and not fear. If you want to debate somebody, it's not logical. If you want to argue with somebody, it's kind of strange. But Jesus being abused at the cross, it does work, though. It does work. I hope this Thanksgiving that you're super pleased. Yeah, I, I hope you like your job, especially in this <coughs> unique time. It's nice to have a job and a paycheck, and I, I hope you're happy with your family. That's, that's a rare gem these days. I hope your heat works at home, that you have food in your fridge and in your cupboards. I hope good things for all of us in lots of areas. But the main thing to be thankful for, the main thing to be pleased in, is that somehow in your life, in your kids' lives, in your parents, in your siblings, and your neighbors, and the people that you know have been abused, we should be pleased that some, and I'm not trying to trivialize, abuse is terrible. I wouldn't ab wish abuse, and more importantly, God would not wish abuse on anybody. But we should be so thankful that even when it happens in this sinful, broken world, God's able to reach in there, and he's able to bring good out of something bad if we let him do it in our lives. And I hope and I pray that you continue to be people that are exercising that faith to let Jesus do that in you and through you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for being good to us. Life is very complex. It's, it's more complex than, uh, than I can comprehend. But we want to just pause here this morning and once again say that we appreciate you, we trust you. We are sorry that you were hurt at the cross, Jesus, but we are so thankful that somehow you were able to bring good out of it and that our love for you is growing because of it. May you continue to cause us to grow more and more in love with you every day.
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, as the ladies were singing and reminded us, you will make a way. In the book of James, we read that uh, we should count it joy, not the bad stuff. The bad stuff is bad. That's why it's called bad. But we should be counting you joy and counting the benefits you'll bring out of it as joy because somehow you are able to bring good out of bad situations. Joseph reminded us of that in Genesis 50. His very life is a, is a picture of that. How you can be treated so bad so often by so many different people for no reason. And yet somehow in your amazing ability, God, you're able to bring good out of that tragedy. Continue to do it for us individually and continue to do that for us as a world. And please come back. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.